That'll be the intro. <laughs> Gary One Ball? Gary One Ball. <laughs> She's with Gary One Ball. <laughs> yeah, well, Maybe that's what we ought to start doing, is just putting our outtakes as our intros. <laughs> This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasolo and Kirik McMillan. Hey, welcome to another episode of Two Idiots and a List. I am here with a man who subscribes to Ernest Borgnine's theory on the key to living a long life. Nick Fasolo. Nobody knows who Ernest Borgnine is. Well, the audience is now Googling what reason Ernie gave for living so long. <laughs> of the, the game, remember the game Six Degrees is Kevin Bacon? Yes. So some guy wrote an article about that. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. Anyhow, it was years ago. He said he did a, a listing of all the shit. The guy that is the focal point for to winning Six Degrees, Ernest Borgnine. He was in like 400 movies. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Again, another little bar trick for you guys. I'm full of them. <laughs> Nick, who are we talking about today? So today we have yet another band from our uh, formative years. And this request came to us from a cousin-in-law of mine. So I hope that she enjoys it. That's right. Today we're talking about the police. I guess you The police, obviously, have always been around our lives, right? They, they got a ton of airtime. Me being a creature of MTV, uh, they were the darlings of early MTV, them and Duran Duran. I think it was in early of 81 or 82, right early as, as MTV started to take off, they, they chose The Police as the band to kind of like promote for sure, like all the time. They had them doing their bumpers in between commercials, in between videos. They were everywhere on MTV and for us. And, you know, to their credit, like they had some really poppy tunes. Yeah. And actually radio stations would use their videos and advertising. I can think of one of their songs that... When I heard it, it brought me right back to those old commercials for The Loop, W-L-U-P. Listen to The Loop, FM 98. (laughs) It's good radio voice. Thank you. Good pipes. (laughs) (laughs) The velvety tones of... But I have to say, I I never bought one of their albums until probably... I would say that I bought The Best of the Police, like back in 86, I want to say. I had Synchronicity, and I had Dream of the Blue Turtles. Which was Sting's first Sting's, solo album. Yeah, it was his first solo album. And both of those were on that 18 CDs for a penny deal oh, from man. CBS. That was a great scam. Oh, yeah. Every now and again, they'd fuck you, though. They'd, they'd, they'd oh, send yeah. you the bill. I got to pay for <laughs> Janet Jackson? Come on. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of CD collections. There. I've got those, like, fuck buying Kenny G for. <laughs> I don't know, man. I damn it. Oh, God damn it. It was that or <laughs> The Night at the Opera. But they had, you know, so let's make sense of their first couple of albums. Like the, the Outlandos Dilmore. Right. Outlaws of Love. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. come on. That's <laughs> from, from an English guy. An English prof, right? Or he's a teacher. Teacher. 
uh, Regatta de la Blanc, mm-hmm. just white reggae. Right. And Zenyatta Monada, I have no idea. Like, they were just fucking around. They were never sold to me, in my memory, as a ska band. Mm-mm. Those first three or four albums, everything prior to Synchronicity, it's white reggae, just like they like they called it. These guys were the vanilla ice of reggae. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, there's a lot of talent in this band. There is. There is. So it's just like the Rolling Stones taking American music, the blues, and stuffing it through their English filter. These guys took reggae and stuffed it through their British filter. And I think it came out. Listen, yeah, I, it was the, the post-punk mix of reggae and punk, and that's ska. This is yeah. a ska band. I mean... I hate Scott. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't do it. But if you listen to that combination of reggae rhythms, reggae yeah. reggae tones, and then that punk mix, that's what Scott is. I think it. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. Let's. I, I think Scott comes around when No Doubt comes around. Let's. Let's just classify No Doubt as Scott. And these guys is just like I don't know pre Scott. <laughs> I can't do it to them. Yeah. It was weird because I I never thought of them that way either until I listened to those. First, I listen to all their albums, yeah. all the police albums in their entirety, and it's not until they get to synchronicity that they shift gears. Yes. Like, yeah. Well, that's that's a shift in producers as well. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, Outlandos Deal More, Regatta de Blancs, and Yana Modana, Ghost of Machine, that is 78, 79, 80, and 81. That is a fucking busy band. Yes. Really busy. And they have this, you know, producer who is a medical doctor turned, you know, into a producer. That was his true love. And he charged him like 1500 bucks a, a pop for each one of those albums. Right. So like, and at the third one, he's like, uh, I think you guys have got some cash. Why don't you float it my way here so we can pay for this shit? <laughs> right. Right. I'm tired of eating White Castle. <laughs> Well, uh, Sting had said people thrashing out three chords didn't really interest us musically. Reggae was accepted in punk circles and musically more sophisticated, and we could play it. So we veered off in that direction. What we invented was this thing of going back and forth between thrash punk and reggae. Thrash punk is a bit of a strong term. I wouldn't use it for these guys because of the talent that all three of them individually have as musicians. I agree. These were three skilled guys. Yeah, skilled is 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 underscoring and underselling it. I mean, they these guys like even when you heard Sting, when you hear Sting talk about you know the way that he constructs a song, like this guy knows what he wants to hear, and that's kind of where the the the, the turmoil in the band comes from. Right. Like they're they they consider each other brothers. But when you put them in the studio with one another, they each have their own idea of what the music should sound like. And it just takes a lot to get it out on one, in one song where everybody is happy. And, right. and sometimes they're not. And they, they didn't agree in, in large part on a lot of things. In some of their biggest songs, they didn't agree with, with the eventual outcome, but it worked. You know, I was asking myself as I listened to this, what made them so popular? And if you look at the time frame that they were coming out of that late 70s, early 80s, Disco was still kind of working itself out of everyday use. The country pop sound of the Eagles uh, was really starting to to flourish. Uh, You had the edgy punk of the Ramones, the Sex Pistols. That was also still kind of pumping. Marley, you know, reggae itself was was big. Mm -hmm. And the police filled this sort of unique bucket of sound that pulled you know, little bits of all of those things together. They did. Let's not forget. Sting is a handsome devil. And they oh, yeah. rode that new wave look 
right into MTV, right into the suburbs of every town USA. Very popular with the ladies. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to be Sting. He looked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, he did. He looked pretty cool. Their videos were a little, uh, you know, shaky, but they're all worse. So we'll forgive them all those videos, <laughs> you know. Come on. But like going back to like the things they don't agree on, like their very first Grammy that they won was for an instrumental called Behind My Camel. <laughs> Off the Zenyatta Modata, Sting hated that song so much, he took the master tapes and buried them outside behind the studio. <laughs> they had to dig them up. He would not play on it at all because it was an Andy Summers collection, and it ended up winning a Grammy. Wow. Yeah, the, and success, you know, talk about Grammys. Success found these guys in a huge way. Mm -hmm. Over 75 million albums. They broke up in 1986. They reunited for a tour in 2007 and 2008, so, you know, over 20 years later. And that tour made them the highest earning musicians of that year. Oh, yeah. They were everywhere. That's huge. Yeah. They only had five studio albums. That's it? That's five albums. You knocked out 75 million. <laughs> that, that Ghost in the Machine tour, the, the last one, well, before the Synchronicity one, they were uh, kicking off the leg that they were ending it in Japan and Australia. At that time, Andy Summers had a newborn and a very strained relationship back at home. And he decided, okay, I'm good. I'm the tour's over. I'm going to go back home. And then he and, and uh, Stuart Copeland decided, ah, you know what? We're going we're gonna to photograph a little bit. Let's go up to Thailand and, and start, you know, because he's a photographer too. They bump into John Belushi in a bar there. And they hang out with him for three weeks, eating <laughs> mushrooms and just fucking off, taking pictures. Like you should like look him up on online. They're really funny. It's John in, in front of a, a, a menu of mushrooms that they were taking. <laughs> Sounds like a, like a, um, like an interesting three weeks. Not the right move for his marriage, unfortunately. I can imagine. <laughs> well, of those five studio albums, all of them went platinum. Mm -hmm. The the first two went platinum, the second two went multi-platinum, and Synchronicity went eight times platinum, which means eight million, more than eight million albums sold. Yeah. That's it's nuts. I thought Sting's solo stuff was, it was different. I don't know that I liked it more. It was different. It was different. The, the new age I, I didn't meets see jazz thing yeah. was, you know... Okay, I, you struck out and you did something a little different. Now, he's the primary songwriter with the police. Yeah. He gets out on his own and he switches gears. I'll give him credit for that. I, I guess so. I think that the, all three of them were kind of like, we rung this out. The last three albums we did, we had to record in separate rooms because we're going to fucking kill each other. Again, the payoff was the stage for them. And it just couldn't, they couldn't do it anymore. And I, I think that all three of them, even to this day, they're still very friendly, almost family-like, but they're like, we can't just work. We just can't work together. Right, we just right. can't. Like, it's a, like you, you know, whenever you're involved in a creative endeavor, you have to, especially in a partnership, you have to be able to kill your babies. These guys just don't want to. It is what it is. We got what we got out of them. And I think that they knew that. And they're like, we're not going to do this again. Right. At the end of their reunion tour in, was it 2009? I, I think say? it was 2008. Yeah. At the end of it, they were like, yeah, we're done. We're, we're done. I'm fucking done. Right. I can't, I can't do it right. anymore. Yeah. Sting's solo stuff was, you know, it kind of reminded me of Sade a bit. Sade? Sade. 
<laughs> Shows you how much I know about her. To be, to be fair, there's no age. <laughs> he was a fan of the sax. Big fan oh, of the well, sax. Well, it was 86, 87, oh, baby. Yeah. That's, that's the smooth point. Oh, yeah. And smooth, smooth <laughs> yeah. operator. That's, that's when the... Kenny G comes up. Baby, <laughs> yeah. watch that Kenny G HBO documentary. It blows your fucking mind. Guy's a gangster. Both of his parents died back to back from cancer. Yes. 86, 87. Right. So I think that, you know, obviously had a lot to do with the output and just, you know, that's a bummer. It is a bummer. <laughs> you know? But do you take that kind of grief and cover Little Wing by Hendrix? <laughs> well, I no. mean, it's it's an insult. It's just, listen, <laughs> who are we to judge who how a man grieves? Sure. <laughs> and, and again, this is a successful guy. He's got 17 Grammys. Yeah. 17 Grammys. I think that's a lot of dick jerking, though. For Sting. Uh, yeah, the, the, that's, the, the industry loves him. Loves him. And pisses on Copeland and Summers. Yes. And they're bitter about it. They yeah, are. Right, right, right. You know, he's also got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's a Kennedy Center honoree. Yeah. He's been knighted. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I mean, this the, the whole world is kissing his ass. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Andy Summers is no, like, Stuart Copeland, we can get into him and, and uh, you know, his greatness. But Andy Summers is no fucking slouch, man. But going going back to, um, let's just wrap up the albums and the, and the body work and we get into the list. 1983, Synchronicity 2. Monster album, as monster you've, album. You've, as you've already put on. It's the. It was really the only album that really could stand toe to toe with Thriller that year. Yeah, it had six weeks in a row breaking up Michael Jackson's hold on the number one stop shot at um, uh, the Billboard. Right. There were a couple other albums like Business as Usual and Metal Health. Quite <laughs> <Light> right. <laughs> I love it. Um, but like Synchronicity was the only one that, that stole away a couple of Grammys from Thriller that year too for uh, Every Breath You Take, you know, Song of the Year. I think they won Song of the Year with I think that. you're right. So like that's that's tall salad there. Oh, that, that, To be able to stand toe-to-toe with fucking Thriller. You know, you and I are... 50. Folks that are 10 years older than us, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them are fans of music and collected vinyl that they've got this album in their collection. Oh, yeah. You know, this yeah. was this was a huge, huge album. It wasn't just... It broke up the reggae aspect. There's yes. still some reggae influence on there, mm-hmm. or ska influence on there. Right. And that's their new producer, Hugh Padgham, who incidentally was the guy that created, he invented the gated reverb sound on and on Phil Collins', Phil Collins. Uh, track. And right. he did all of Invisible Touch, like Human League he did. He did Bowie, Queen, like these guys, like he, he they picked the right producer because he has the right ear for it. Like, right. Yeah. And you can definitely tell the, the, the switch over. And Synchronicity to me is one of the best albums recorded. I think it's fucking great. It's a good album for sure. It's by far their best. And that makes sense. You know, the numbers repeat that, right? You can see that mm-hmm. in the sales numbers. Yeah. All right. It's probably about time to kick off this list. Uh, I think you started REM. If I, I don't even know how you keep it straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you who have listened to our shows, what we're trying to do is do a band that had stuff a little more late 80s, 90s, and then do a band that's a little more early 80s, maybe even late 70s. And we're trying to bounce it back and forth to keep our audience engaged. (laughs) And this wasn't by design, but it just so happens that you've been doing the 90s ones and I've been doing the 80s ones. Really? Yeah. So that's how I remember. <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. I do not pay attention to minutia. I'm not a details guy. All right. That All brings right. Well, us this to me. You no, know, it's mine. This is the early one. <laughs> See, you've already forgotten. I've already forgotten. All right. The honorable mention. My honorable mention. I'm going with Roxanne. Roxanne. 
my strongest memory of this song. You ever play the drinking game to Roxanne? I'm it's a pretty. Sh- I'm sure I have. It's a pretty easy game. <laughs> I can imagine what it is. I drink when he says Roxanne, <laughs> and you drink when he says put on the red light. Oh, okay. There's a little twist <laughs> you there. You just go back and forth. Okay. By the way, if you pick Roxanne, you're going to drink one more time than the other guy. Is that right? Yes, it's 27 to 26. <laughs> I did listen and make sure. tally marks. I'm sure you did. Because I was curious. <laughs> it's a three-minute, 11-second song, so you'll basically kill two beers in just a little over three minutes. <laughs> we like to promote responsible drug-taking on this podcast and let no one speak any different. That's right. I think the last time I played this was in 1995. The game or the song? The game. <laughs> the game. In 1995 with my friend Bev in a pub in Cambridge, and we were drinking Scrumpy Jack Cider. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sure all the Brits around you were kind of looking, you fucking Americans. You just can't just have the pint. What the fuck are these assholes doing? <laughs> yeah, it's a song about a man who falls for a lady of the night. Apparently named after a character in the play Serrano de Bergerac. Mm-hmm. And uh, they saw it on a poster in a lobby. They saw the, the name Roxanne, and that's where he drew it from. Number 388 on Rolling Stone's Greatest Hits of All Time. And number 85 on VH1's Greatest Rock Songs. Hmm. The song itself was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2008. I suppose. I wasn't even aware that you could induct just a song. Songs, right. Yeah, I mean, I suppose this song is kind of like the first song that people think of when they think of the police. Right. Right? Right. I mean, I think of Eddie Murphy in 48 Hours. Sure. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's why I didn't make my list. <laughs> yeah, I had I had another one on, and I knocked it off, and I was kind of fussing with it, and so I, I ended up with Roxanne, and it's really mostly because of the memory of Bev and I pounding yeah. cider in a, in a British pub. <laughs> This was the song, we referenced this in an earlier episode, but this is the song where, during the recording of it, Sting accidentally sits on a piano keyboard Mm. at the beginning and laughs, and they kept the mistake in the recording. I think that's the coolest part of that song. Yeah, it's a little... I like it. A little mythic. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. All right, what you got for your honorable mention? I've got two I pulled from his solo career because I do believe that his solo career has a couple of, you know, good songs in there. I like from... The Blue Turtle Flying... Dream of the Blue Turtles? <laughs> Blue Turtle. Flying in the Blue Flying Dream. Blue Dream. Yeah, good album. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've got Fortress Around Your Heart. I like that. It's a little ditty. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to see this in a lot of our police songs. It's like they talk a lot of, of about a lot of heartbreaking things, a lot of heart-rendering things, but it's always with that reggae kind of up. Like uh-huh. it's always up. It's not a 
like a Pearl Jam kind of like you know the mood of it. It's like it's always up, like but there's right. a, you hear what they're saying, like oh this is not a happy song. Yeah. <laughs> they're talking about, but that's kind of like in the theme of reggae and the keeping of the reggae spirit, I suppose. Uh, this was always kind of a guilty pleasure for me. Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of Sting's solo stuff kind of falls into that category yeah. of guilty pleasure. Yeah. Because he, like he's got that line of like walking on the minds I laid. Right, like, right. Oh, that meant a lot to me back in the day when oh, I was yeah. fucking up relationship after relationship. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and some of his lines, you know, you probably thought or even wish that I was dead. Yeah. Like, there's just the way he sings. Yeah. <laughs> the, the stuff is good. He's righteous, man. Yeah. He's got it right. There's right. there's a, a lot of sax in this song. Yeah. And some of it, you're kind of like, ooh, I kind of like that, and then it suddenly gets to be too much. Yes. That's when we fast forward. That's Just right. Push fast forward. That's why it's an honorable mention. There you go. Uh, and then all of this, uh, all this time. I like that. It's just a different groove for him. It's uh, almost smooth jazz. <laughs> yes, it is. You know? But I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I like it. That's why it made the list. <laughs> That's okay. You can you can add it to your honorable yeah. mention. I think he mentions like you know the horses walking in the sodium light. I think I like. What is that? What is a sodium light? <laughs> and I come to find out, it's a type of light bulb. It's a light bulb. Okay. Sodium vapor. <laughs> what fucking? That's, that's my chemistry degree coming to help me out. <laughs> ah, it's well worth it. Okay. Right, let's hit it. My number five is King of Pain. Boom, look at that. Number five, King of Pain. Oh, we, we clicked it off. Finally, once in a while. <laughs> Sharing a brain. There you go. Uh, Sting wrote the song during the breakup with his first wife due to the affair that he was having with her close friend who lived next door to them. (laughs) Messy personal life. That little black spot on the sun today was him. I believe he was in some Caribbean Mm -hmm. nation at a beach house with his wife's ex-friend. His ex-wife's ex-friend. His new lover. Yes, his new lover. (laughs) And had looked up at the sun, and you know how you look at the sun, you get that little kind of black spot. Mm -hmm. He said, that black spot is my heart and my relationship and my life because I've fucked it up. Right. The little black spot on the sun today, and then the the next lines that I could never make out are, that's my soul up there. Yes. Deep. And I I also didn't know that until I did some research on this Mm -hmm. too. Uh, the syncopation in this song is good. Its simplicity is good. You know, it's just keys and a rhythm instrument. It's like a xylophone mm-hmm. to start it off. Yeah. And I like how that how that opens, and it's just very clean and very simple. 
the chorus resolution into like a little more straightforward rhythm is kind of satisfying. Mm-hmm. His lyrics are good. Skeleton choking on a crust of bread. That's my favorite. Yeah. I love that. Great imagery. And, you know, normally Sting's bass lines, because he's singing, Sting's bass lines are typically very, very simple. Mm-hmm. This one's a little more varied. Yeah. A little he's plucking around there. I don't know quite what the style he's using, but uh, it's, a, it's a more staccato, I guess, uh, bass line, which I happen to like. You can see why Andy Summers is tiring of this band, because the guitars are almost non-existent and way down, and even the guitar solo doesn't get really its due in the song. And this is not the first or the last song on Synchronicity 2 that we're going to do. And it, save for a couple of them, like, Summers is almost invisible right. in, in this album. And that's what really pissed him off. Right. But I do love this song. Yeah. He often said, like, the King of Pain is like, well, there's Sting getting up on his cross again. You know, <laughs> he really has some singers think, with this guy. Yeah, Summers has some bones to pick with Sting. <laughs> and, and maybe rightfully so. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure that that's all his, you know, Gordon Sumner's fault, but <laughs> nonetheless, you know, Summers was sitting in his shadow for basically his entire career. Yeah. We both had King of Pain for number five, so that brings us to my number four. Mm-hmm. And I am going to the dream of the Blue Turtles. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I'm going with Consider Me Gone. don't know it really i'm sure i i've heard it it's it's real jazzy oh jesus (laughs) (laughs) and the jazziness of this song is what pulls me in i feel like i should listen to it snapping my fingers while strutting around in a zoot suit it just (laughs) it it just has that feel like a a wolf on the make oh yeah (laughs) spinning a watch yeah but yeah, the great walking bass line during the solo. There's a little sprinkling of sax in here. It's it's okay. not bad. All right, well, I'll give it a clean listen. I don't think I've ever fucking heard this song. <laughs> you may recognize I'm it. I'm sure I will. He's got some lyrics in here that are good. He Sting has taken flack for his lyrics over time, over a number of different songs. You know, it's a, it's a negative song with kind of a positive feel to it, which Sting excels at. You already mentioned it earlier. And I don't remember what song it was that you were talking about, but you mentioned a song where you got an upbeat melody and rhythm and whatnot, and then the, the subject matter of his music yeah. is rather dark. One of his lines in this song is, there were rooms of forgiveness in the house that we share, but the space has been empty of whatever was there. After today, consider me gone. Wow. That's some depth. Yeah. <laughs> That's some depth. He's always leaving. <laughs> He's always, you know, exiting relationships, whether it's his fault or not. (laughs) All right, what you got for number four? Okay, so my number four is I wrapped. Well, this was a tough one for me, and it bounced up and up and down the lineup here. But I think if I settled into this spot, and I was happy with it. This is Synchronicity Two. Mother screaming out 
I fought with putting this on my list as well. I like this song a lot. Such a cool goddamn song. The beginning of it, Andy Summers' guitar, like high-pitched stuff coming in, and then Sting's, you know, bellowing over, you know, all the, the, uh, all the other music coming in. Right. And his fucking lyrics to this are like, I'm, so I know the lyrics kind of here and there. I never really read them. And I was wrong on a lot, on a lot of those lyrics. And I read these lyrics, and yeah. I'm like, oh. That's so awesome! Yeah, this is like the the the, uh, the the Loch Ness monster that's coming out is like the birth of the monster that's coming out of the head of the the, the suburban dad. Right, 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 right. Then you start to identify as a suburban dad. I started to identify with a lot of what that song is saying. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been in a tiny metal box too. Sure. <laughs> and driving home to see what the fuck is coming at me through that front door <laughs> could be good. Sometimes it's not. Right, right. <laughs> you know. He's got great lyrics in this. A humiliating kick in the crotch. That's the best. That's the best. It's like he gets shit at work. He gets shit at home. It's like there's a, the monster is coming out. Yeah. I love it. It's, and it's just a cool sounding song. It's, it's like a song that it's an 80s song before it knows it's an 80s song. Right. It's just right. that kind of like, like almost soaring symphony almost. Somewhere mid-song, speaking of 80s sounds, somewhere mid-song, Andy Summers channels a little Eddie Van Halen in his guitar. Mm -hmm. When I heard it, I was like, oh, wait, that... Is Eddie playing on this? Is this like uh, <laughs> beat, it? It? Yeah, beat It by Michael Jackson? He just jumped in, dropped a little note in there, and ran out? Steve Lukather did all the work on Beat It. Yeah. Except for fucking... Except for, you know, except for that just solo. The skunk man coming in and doing his shit. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Take that, Reddit. <laughs> uh, if you message me I'm on just Reddit... Playing I will, I'm, I'm playing around. I'm playing around. <laughs> if you message me on Reddit, I will send you Nick's home address. <laughs> Don't. Do not. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> All right. Mom. By the way, are these the guys, the British version of Van Halen? No. Jerk off to one another? No. Well, oh, in terms of how they treated each other? Well, that's what I mean, kind of. I didn't see the that. The band breaks up because of the personalities inside the band. You just can't see see the forest through the trees. That, I, I would rank the intelligence level of this band considerably higher than the intelligence level of Van Halen. No, no what does that mean? Well... <laughs> You got three guys in the police that are smarter than four guys in Van Halen. I guess what I'm getting at. About all five. Just throw Sammy in there, too. I think, you know. I'm, I'm good with that. Although Sam had the ability to go out and start a you know, $100 tequila million dollar tequila yeah, company. Yeah. Those assholes. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, the, all the, I think they're different because Van Halen was a lot of backstabbing. And these guys in the police were like, fuck you to your face. You yeah, know, and I also think neither of which worked out really well. You've got three creative individuals mm-hmm. who have valid reasons for saying we should do this or we should do that. And I think that's just creative differences. Creative differences to me is not the same as the asshole sniper right. kind of thing you saw like, with Van Halen. Right. Alex starting shit. Right. Just because he was right. drunk. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah that's uh, so I watched a lot of documentaries with the police and it's a lot of background like uh, like uh, them in the studio. And they get nasty with each other. But you can definitely tell the amount of respect they have for each other. And, and you know, but they're frustrated. And they're like, I see your point. I don't fucking like it. Right. And then, and then you just kind of shut down and like, 
I'm going to go take a walk. And then no wonder it takes like, you know, sure. it takes a lot out of you because again, you're in a creative endeavor and like the, the sacrifices that they made, I think were just too much for them to bear after five albums. And they're like, fuck it. I'm just going to do my own thing. Right. And that's what right. Sting did. They banked enough off those five that clearly all three of them were able to and, and know, Copeland exist on it. Copeland is such a good drummer. Like one of the best of all time. I'd put him up there. Yeah. He had gone on to do soundtracks and movie scores sure. and other things. And like, that's the thing about this band that me underappreciated for a long time. I didn't really realize what Stuart Copeland brought to the band. And it's like you hear the way that he kind oh, of yeah. he syncopates the 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 music. It's like, man, he's he's he, you think he's off the reservation and then all of a sudden he just wraps it all together just and it locks all it just, back in. Just locks it back in. And it's right. a really subtle touch. Yeah. Like he he puts in those syncopated moves and you're like, something changed. And I don't know mm-hmm. what it was. And then if you really listen for it, it's him just yeah. making these subtle rhythm changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. That is really cool. To yeah. re-listen to Police through the drum set is a cool kind of little, I don't know. I agree. Thing. All right. My number three. This is off of Outlandos de Mor, 1978. And it is Next to You. This is a classic early 80s punky edge new wave. You could drop this song into the Fast Times soundtrack really easily because it just had that beat and that rhythm. It's super clean. There's no keys. It's just three instruments and three voices. There's no reggae or ska to it. It's a complete departure from the other stuff on that album. And that was their first one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was their first album. 78. Yeah, 78. Yeah. And that's why I like it. It, it. You know, the ska aspect of the police works on occasion. And there's other times where you're just like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. Uh, this song, I think, has that really clean kind of sound to it with a great, a great rhythm. You talked a little bit about Andy Summers. There is a rare slide guitar solo in this. And I think it was Tom Petty you mentioned you didn't really care for the slide guitar. I typically don't either. <laughs> I typically don't either. It doesn't It doesn't really fit my style of music. When it's done in a certain way, it can kind of catch me. This one, there's nothing really splashy to it. And I don't think Summers was a splashy kind of guy. No. But the, there's a kind of a breakdown that's going on behind him while he's playing that that I, I like how that comes together. It's cool. It's not into the great wide open slide guitar. No. (laughs) Which, by the way, I heard in a store the other day that went right into like another six songs that we've talked about, almost all of which fell on our most hated list. (laughs) And I wanted to hold my phone in the air and record it and just send it to you. (laughs) This is karma coming back to you. (laughs) Fucking Rexall drugs in Kansas City. (laughs) Actually, it was Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Speaking of which, all right, (laughs) random side topic, absolutely nothing to do with with this podcast or music. 
Don't fucking go on a business trip and leave your cell phone at home. That's right. I t- that's awesome. When they realized it. Your wife told me, and I'm like, that's the fucking greatest thing that happened to me all month. Right. <laughs> realized it as I pull into O'Hare, and I don't have enough time to go back home and get it, so I got to get on the plane. I buy a newspaper. <laughs> the flight attendant's like, is that a newspaper? <laughs> yeah, I'm a time traveler from 1996. <laughs> I got into Sioux Falls. I have to go to Huron, South Dakota. I can't tell you where Huron is because I got to use my phone to get there. I had to find a paper map. Dude, yeah, but you have map reading skills from way back. I do. I do. And my wife, when I told her this. You're a road warrior from way back. Right. Imagine our fucking kids had to do that shit. She'd be dead. My (laughs) wife was like, I just would have stopped. I would have said, I'm going to Uber the three hours to. (laughs) We're canceling the trip. (laughs) Fuck it. Yeah, our kids would have been fucking upside down in a fucking garbage can in O'Hare. Just like, I'm done. I, I guess this is what happens when your life just ends. Boom. Oh, man. So, hey, don't forget your phone. It sucks. That is going to be awesome when you fucking forget your phone going to Hawaii. <laughs> no. Yeah, this episode may be coming to you a little later than normal. If so, our apologies. We've been trying to drop these the third Friday of the month. But both Nick and I have a senior that just graduated high school. Not together. We have two separate children. We do. Yes, we do. <laughs> but that would be cool if we, you know, yeah, no, if it was cool. the other way. It's, it's like, you know, it's fine. So that has taken up a lot of our respective time. So hopefully this thing gets to you on time. If not, forgive us. We'll, we'll try to get back on yeah, track. It's a good, good thing to apologize after. <laughs> after the fact. Yeah. All right. What's your number three? <laughs> This is also the third song off of Synchronicity, and it is the song Wrapped Around Your Finger. Love the way this song starts out. I think I just like the way this guy produces an album. Mm-hmm. I like the police, the early stuff, but I just like this new, the new way that that he got a sound out of them. I just think it just speaks to me a little bit more. It's a little bit more polished, a little bit more techie kind of. Yep. You know, this starts out with a really cool bass line and a and a tick tock of a clock. Right. I guess. I always love the video, him dancing around candles for some reason. I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool. Like I was 14. But like the, the, again, turning a phrase, like you know, telling the story of like being you know this. You know, person being wrapped around somebody's finger, and then at the final stanza, it's like that's the real payoff for me on this song. Right. When like the music raises up, and he's like, "When you find out that the servant is your master, you know that's so great. I love that. That's yeah, it's a great part of the song, and that's a great payoff. His lyricism in that is good too. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I've only come here seeking knowledge, things they would not teach me of in college. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was a good line. Yeah. I mean, he carries the song, but I mean, the payoff is that 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 end. I really like that. It's right. Good. Okay, that brings us to our fantasy concert lineup. Did you do number three already, yours? I did, it was next to you. Yeah, 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 okay, all right. Yeah, oh, yeah, all right, let's go. Fantasy concert lineup. I love this. All right. I say that every time. (laughs) Hey, I'm glad. I'm stoked. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? I care not. 
Go for it. If you've got a, a feeling of launching, then hit it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I think that we're going to keep this all in the same year here. And that year is 1983. I'm going to do The Police, obviously. But I also want to bring on Cindy Lauper because she has some really excellent work around this time. And my favorite song of hers, uh, Time After Time. It's one of my favorites of all time. Fantastic. Great lyricist, great performer, great musician. I love it. Great song. Yeah, she's great. She's a, she's a cool chick. Yeah. I think she'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, for sure. And I like that, you know, back then, you know, I remember when she had done the thing with her hair and everything like that, and people were like, oh, she's, you know, something unstable about it. It's like, get over yourself, guys. She wrote a song about she's masturbating before anybody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, before anybody else would begin to mention it. I love it. And then... Since they put out their, their sophomore album in 1983 with one of the best songs, Men at Work. It nullifies the night from overkill. Day after day, we Night after night, my heartbeat shows the I love these guys. That album, Cargo, Yeah, that's a good album. Overkill is such a great tune. Yeah. I love it. All right. I am going to see, this will make sense when you think about it, I'm going to see the Dire Straits so that they can play yeah, man. Money for Nothing. All right. Now that ain't working. That's the way you do it. Let me tell you. Sting yeah. has the backing vocal. I was vocals. mesmerized by that video. Great right? video. Even Jesus I know that Christ, video. Right? <laughs> Great video. People look at it now. Yeah, it looks like looking... Minecraft. Right, exactly. It looks like Minecraft. <laughs> I see a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mark Knopfler's a hell of a guitarist. You oh, gotta, yeah. you got to give him his due on the axe. And then, you might appreciate this, you might not, but I think you will. I want to see Joe Jackson. <laughs> I love that album cover with the pointy white shoes. <laughs> pointy toe shoes. <laughs> it was great. Stepping out oh, yeah. tonight. Because yeah, you got to look sharp. <laughs> I see the jazz, you know, coming in. That's oh, yeah. jazzy, that stuff. Hell out. yeah. But really, you, you really want to hear, is she really going out with him? Is she really going out with him? Is she really going to take Tonight. Is she really going out with it? Now take my eyes, don't deceive me in the sun. 
thought it was Look that. over there. Where? Oh, <laughs> that was Brad's favorite fucking album. It was. Years. Our years. friend Brad loved Joe God. Jackson. Whenever I hear Joe Jackson, I think of him. That song in particular, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that and the, the should I stay or should I go for the class and all of you listening it's like dude dude you're living through one of the great courses of music history from 82 to 92 what the fuck <laughs> all right that brings us to number two. Well, let's let's uh, let me take a little bit about Deidre. I'm going to take you on a, a, a little bit of a journey. I All want, right. I want take everybody. Me for a ride. I want everybody to um, uh, respect, put some respect on the the name 1983 or the year 1983. And unfortunately, I think I'm going to you know overwork our much overworked producer Kentucky Rick when I <laughs> when I go through. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that. <laughs> No, I think just we, have, <laughs> we have a producer that's really overworked, and his name is Kentucky Rick. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> all right, then do go on. No, all right. Uh, so, so Keurig's name is not a usual name, and it's spelled K-Y-R-I-C. So we are, where were we? Where we were, were at the you? Corvette Museum in that's Kentucky. Right. We're in this <laughs> at the Kentucky Bowling Green yeah something like that with the Corvette Museum and we had to put our name down for like the the, the simulator, driving simulator right? Right. yeah and so he's calling the names out he's calling the names out and then he looks and he's like all right uh because he looks at the KY and he's like hmm, Kentucky Rick <laughs> and the, the whole crowd of us who were with him were just dying fucking laughing it was so awesome Kentucky I'll always love you for that I have a nephew that calls me that now <laughs> Kentucky Rick. So he's the producer, the, the magic man behind all the edits. Okay. So I want you to check this out. This is 1983. I want you to respect the, the 1983 that we lived through. Now, you are 11 years old. We're 11 years old during all this time, right? Okay. I think we're in sixth grade. Right. right. Here are the debuts. These people debuted in 1983. The Eurythmics. Oof. Brian Adams. The Thompson Twins. Brian Adams, badly overplayed. I'm going to stop there, but go ahead. Oh, that cuts like a knife. <laughs> Boo. Cuts like a knife. Thompson Twins, Quiet Riot, The Violent Femmes, Madness, Weird Al, mm-hmm. debuted in 83. Ministry, Ooh. right? With I've Eric, seen him live. Al Jorgensen, R.E.M., Stevie Ray Vaughan, Wham!, Metallica, Madonna, The Butthole Surfers, Queensryche. The Waterboys, Rat, Motley Crue, Cyndi Lauper, all of them debuted in 1983. All new music from them. And you also had, during that year, you had the albums Pyromania, you had War, you had Cargo, Synchronicity, Asia, 90125, the Yes album. Of course. Right? All released in that year with, with, released in November of 82 and released in October of 82, Prince's 1999, and Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah. Over all of those. That's things. a lot. That and the release of E.T. that that Christmas year. Sure. The, 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 the amount of culture, this is like a culture bomb just dropped right in the middle of our lives. We were sixth fucking grade. Right. And it just took off from there. I don't know what happened to Mally Crew, but, you know, that first album, Shout at the Devil, is a fucking banger. <laughs> and I've been waiting to do Mally Crew. Anyhow, isn't that awesome? That's a lot. Yes, that is awesome. Go, <laughs> don't, don't patronize me. You. I was not. I, I, I was not. I like that list. 
I like that list. You caught me on a mental blank. I think it was the Motley Crue twist up. Like, oh, fuck. Do I got to do Motley Crue now? He's the one that calls Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> all right. All right. Last thing, and then we can go on. In 1983, MTV used to have all these concerts, right? They, they, they used all these contests. These contests, like, you know, they, they gave away a little pink house in Indiana for John Cougar Mellencamp. This is awesome, and it deserves our time. In 1983, there was a contest where you could win 25 guests a show for the police show wherever in the country that they are playing. And they will fly you and 25 of your guests, fly you to the show, give you a meet and greet, and then you have front row seats. Okay, And also, you'll get the brand new Atari 5200 system for you and all of your friends. Sweet. Okay? Sweet. Things didn't go right. The limo that picked everybody up in New York took the wrong turn and went to fucking Delaware. (laughs) Don't ask. By the time they had figured it out, they had to go all the way back to JFK, pick up the private jet, but they're three hours late now. They fly to Montreal where this show is going to go. Montreal is a festival. Okay, so the festival is, I think it had like, uh, I think it was Human League, the police, but the police were headlining. But in, in in the air, there's this private jet. No liquor. No party, no nothing. You had to bring your own shit, and they didn't. They didn't tell them. They drop down in Montreal. They get over to the show. They've uh, they, they've uh, missed all of the previous acts, and they got to see like three police songs. There was no time for a meet and greet. They got their asses back on the plane. This time, they brought all the liquor with them, and they got shit faced on the way back. <laughs> by the time, and he was pissed. The guy who won the thing was pissed. And at the, when they landed, they gave him a bill. He had to pay taxes on. The plane, Oof. the tickets, right? The limo, the Atari forty six hundred, <laughs> the everything. It would cost them like forty grand. Oof. Forty grand. That's fucking awful. That's brutal. Careful what you wish for. That's guys. right. You don't want to win everything. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you? Oh, it's up to me. What do I have for my number two? Number two. My number two is don't stand so close to me. Falling for a teacher, teacher trying to resist? I always was questioning this. Yeah, not exactly clear. <laughs> he doesn't say no. No, <laughs> not exactly clear. She gets in his car. Yeah, what are you doing? I've been 21 years I've been a teacher. Never once would I ever allow a student in my car. You didn't just, <laughs> you just waited around in the rain and, you yeah, know, right. hey, my car, it's warm and dry. <laughs> yeah. Hop on yeah, in. Yeah, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> We don't do shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> the reference to Nabokov is the book Lolita. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song was used in an episode of Friends where Joey appears on a poster about VD treatments. <laughs> I haven't seen the episode, but I saw that note that really made me laugh. Don't stand so close to me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You missed all of MTV in the 80s and you missed all of Friends in the Yeah, 90s. I didn't okay. watch right. any Friends. Okay. Uh, won a Grammy? I don't think this was their first Grammy, though, but it did win a Grammy. The intro to this song is great. I just like the sound of yeah. of, of how it opens. It's kind of ominous. It's like a Twilight Zone almost. Yeah, yeah. And right? I think I'm going to... I won't drop that in here. I'll drop that in when we get to our best four seconds or coolest four seconds, because yeah, yeah. I had that on that <laughs> list as well. 
they actually remade it for their 1986 singles album, which has a super 80s sound. Do you like that version better? You know, my memory of it was good. And then I just listened to it, and I don't think so. I think I like the original better. I think they're two different songs. They are. They're different production. Very, very different songs. Yeah. I like the harmonies in the the, the 86 version. Yeah. The real high harmonies. Don't stand. Those are cool. Yeah. Right, it's two different songs. Yeah. I like the frenetic drumming of Stuart Copeland in the first one. Right. In the in the chorus. Right. It's really cool. The crashing symbols, it's really cool. Yeah, the remake could have been in like Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> <laughs> that it ha- it sounds like 1986. <laughs> and it seems like everybody that I went to college with had that album. And I think that might have the singles the album? Every Breath You Take singles. The singles right? album, yeah. The Whatever one, it's called. The blue yeah. one. With the, uh, the right, 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 right. That had that song yes, on there. Yes. Not the single soundtrack, but the, the, yeah. the police. Everybody single. had that one. Yeah. <laughs> everyone had that too. But I think that that police album, everyone had because of that stupid CBS thing. Yeah, that's what you I know. Had. And you'd be like, well, shit, I got to pick another one and I'm yeah. running out of stuff. So it's Car's I'll, Greatest I'll, Hits and. Yeah, I'll get that. <laughs> right, right. All right, what's your number two? This song is always going to make my list at the very top, and it's a really short song, and I've always loved it. It's very poppy. Not poppy, really, but it's more of a, it's one of those songs that we've been talking about. that They're up-tempo songs, but if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, shit. He's talking about something that's not really that happy, and it's so lonely. I love this tune. It's just so great. I had this fighting on my list too. Yeah, and you know, Summers gets to show off a little bit here. Sting's voice to me sounds better than most times that he's recording. It's kind of raspy almost. And the chorus is just awesome. And it's it's really, you know, it's just so lonely right. over and over and over again. But it's like, you know, constantly talking about like, this sucks. I'm really fucking miserable over here. Right. But it's a different type. You know, it's an elevated song. And I just, I've always liked it. The video is awesome. It's uh, on a subway system in, in Tokyo, I believe they're in, uh, when they're really, really young. And if you really want to treat yourself, they have a, I believe there's a live version of it in Atlanta. That's really awesome. The reggae vibe in this is cool. Yeah. You haven't gotten overdone by it yet. Mm-hmm. They drive from that reggae vibe into this punky chorus yep. that I like. Yeah, it's exactly what we've been talking about. Like, I mean, it is straight reggae at the beginning. Right. And then it's almost straight punk And, and when they're talking about So Lonely. It's so- Stig admitted that they ripped off the No Woman, No Cry riff yeah. on this. And you can hear it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. can hear it. <laughs> yeah. That, that arpeggiated chord that uh, Summers plays. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> the, the theme of this song is not unlike that of The Wall by Floyd. Like the idea is I'm lonely because I'm here in front of you in this huge crowd and you're all looking at me and I I want to wall you off. 
that was what I had read. Oh, wow. The actual intention of the song was, I feel lonely even though I'm adored by fans. Wow. Yeah. See, I didn't get that. Yeah. It changes the whole song. It it does, because when I read the lyrics, I didn't think so either. There's kind of a unique sound to this guitar solo. It's pulled back into the mix. So you've got a rhythm guitar and, a, and bass and drums that are running, and they're actually up front with the guitar solo running in the back. I thought that was, I, you don't hear that anywhere. Right. And maybe that's why Andy Summers is pissed. <laughs> like, pissed you off. fucking dropped me in the mix on my this solo. Nobody, and I mean nobody, does this. Right. I mean, it's a fucking solo. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's right. Isn't the, the idea is that all you hear is me, hence, solo. <laughs> Where are those fucking mushrooms? <laughs> Belushi, get over here. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our number ones. All right. No, we going to have the same one here? I guess we'll see. I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm a gambling man. Mine's pretty predictable. It's every breath you take. of this song works just a plodding repeating guitar riff that that keeps cycling another superb example of a song that makes you feel good while the subject matter that they're actually singing about is not right. a positive thing no matter what your interpretation of it is no. whether it's a stalker or whatever right right it's not positive it's not positive <laughs> it's not no. a positive song uh, it's, I've, I've heard this song at weddings Oh, sure. And and they talk about that. All three of these guys on separate occasions have quotes where they talk about, I don't understand why people get married to this song. Right. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> <You> like... <laughs> but it, it, to, like I said, the groove is really what, what I like about it. And Stuart Copeland said there is a total lack of groove in this song outside of Andy Summers' guitar riff. Copeland said he thought Sting could have given the song to any other group and it would have turned out better. Really? Which is astonishing. That's That was meant for Sting alone, I think. That's a fuck you in the press. Sting's publisher estimated that this song has generated somewhere between a quarter and one third of Sting's total publishing revenue. Sure. One song. Oh, yeah. And it was badly overplayed. Badly it's gotta have. What did you look up the Spotify on it? I have not. It's gotta but be a billion easy. I have another another interesting artifact on the song. In 2019, it was awarded the most played song on radio at over 15 million plays 
beating, you've lost that love and feeling by the Everly Brothers, who held that position for twenty over twenty years. Wow! <laughs> right? Wow! Yeah. You're talking about overplayed. Yeah, that's not an easy guitar riff to play. I can tell you. And I, I've watched him do it live um, on several videos, and like, I don't, I don't get how he does it, but it's not. I don't think he's dubbing anything. Like, he's I wouldn't a think so. Musician, I, I man. think that's he's not just easy. he's picking those notes out. Yeah. And and you're, it moves around. I can imagine that, that would be a difficult that and riff message to play. in a bottle. They're, they're similar riffs, but and they're they're equally hard to play. Yeah, yeah. So we have a local guy in the Chicago Tribune that does um, album reviews. Remember Greg Cott? Sure, remember him. Yeah. So I dug up his album review of Synchronicity. He's a bit of a red ass. Every breath you take is the centerpiece, a classic single. But cold production makes much of the uh, must, much of the rest a chore. Two and a half stars <laughs> for the whole fucking for the album. whole album. Yeah. yeah, he liked every breath you can take, but <laughs> he didn't like the rest of it. That's the beauty of, li- of critics, right? Yeah. That they can sling hash wherever they want, and not really worry about that's it. That's kind of like why we I do what we do. Gotta say, that's kind of what we're doing here, isn't it? <laughs> I always like to be a critic of the critics. There you go. All right, what's your number one? Okay, my number one, and I did a lot of thinking on this one, but I knew this was the number one from the very beginning because this is the very first song I truly loved. Like, really, like, I love this song. I don't know what it is about it. I just love it. I love everything about it. And it's Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. the slow string bass start of the song and then the piano comes in and I'm I'm in I'm in for the whole goddamn song and that's really like this, this is the song that really started to piss Summers off because he's like there's no gar- there's no guitar in the whole song at all and he's like what the fuck are we doing with pianos this is a three piece right and he was pissed about it and they're like well this is the song guys I love this song it's a good tune I don't know that I can add a whole lot other than to say that I mean it's a, I, I know the song I like the song it's a it's a good song Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. What's your most hated? A lot of his solo stuff. We'll be together. We'll be together. We'll be together tonight. We'll be together. We'll be together. We'll be together. As I was going through this and I started listening to his catalog, I'd go, holy shit, I know that song, I know that song, I know that song, I know this. I knew song after song after song, at least recognized it. And I'd go, yeah, I remember that was kind of catchy. And you'd kind of like bob for a little bit, and then you'd be like, I, I, I'm done after 30 seconds, right. 45 seconds. Like, I, I don't need any more of that. Like, yeah. it just really got sappy, really syrupy. A lot of stuff sounded like it could have been like in a Broadway musical. Commercials. Commercials, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That all for love, the three musketeers he did for with Brian Adams. Eesh. Let's make it all fun. All for love. Let your feet 
I had... Eesh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had all this time. <laughs> <laughs> You don't like the mandolin? No, I, not not in that. Not from him. No. I also said, if I ever lose my faith in you. And then I just kept writing, and I, I was like, "All right, I gotta, I gotta pare this down to something that's not as uh, yeah. <laughs> extensive a list as what I've got." But yeah, there's Spanish guitar in some of these really bad Spanish guitar. I got to tell you, I'm, I think I'm gonna piss a lot of police fans off, and it's not because it's a bad song; it's because it's just so fucking overplayed. And they they start every show with "Message in a Bottle." Yeah, Oof. I don't like that song because it was a song that I learned while I was playing bass because it has enough of an intricate bass line that's good to learn off yeah. of. So I've heard that song far more than I more, want to. More than most. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm with you. I also had Mother off of Synchronicity. That was their really disjunct one that was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they were channeling, but whatever it was, it wasn't good. They got a lot to like. You don't really, I yeah. mean, they're very much like the cars. There's about 20. You don't got a deep dive on these guys. There's not a lot. There's five fucking albums. There's five albums, and the first four are kind of the carbon copy off of each other. Yeah, you got three or four songs off of each one, and then, you know, Synchronicity is kind of like the, the, the headliner, and then you're out. Right, right. Very Carsy. What's your coolest four seconds? The bridge for every breath you take. Really cool when he belts it out. First version or second? The version? first version. Yeah. When he belts it out, yeah. and that's that's really like him pouring out. You his, can really you know, hear yeah. the quality of his voice in it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's really you know that's that's really felt from you know down in his balls, <laughs> right from the beanbag. 
well, since I mentioned it earlier, I'll go with the opening. Just don't stand so close to me with that sort of foreboding yeah. keyboard sound. That's cool. There's something about that song that, that you, you hear it and you're like, yeah, here it comes. I dig it. I like the intro to Walking on the Moon. And the do-do-do-da-da-da, those intros, those are great. Yeah. The stupid songs. Stupid. But I, they're they're poppy. They're, that's like poppy punk kind of almost there. It's, I like it. I also had the vocal rollout towards the end of King of Pain. It's just Sting singing with this pitch-bended synthesizer sort of cascading behind him. Yeah. It's the same old thing as yesterday. All right, Sisters of Mercy. I think I mentioned before, they're like the cars, you know? I got 10 songs, I'm good. There's not really more to get. Like, no. you're like I'm going to go deep dive on a, a, a Londo's Dillmore. No. I don't need it. No. I don't need to. No, I'm with you. I didn't drop anything onto my playlist off of this. I was done with it. I, you know, yeah. I've had enough. <laughs> I don't want more. A <laughs> couple notable covers. The band Eclipse Six, which is an acapella group, sang King of Pain in a slightly hipper barbershop version of the song. That sounds like torture. <laughs> It's a lot of do I? Oh my god. <laughs> There's a black hat caught in a hat tree There's a black and wind I have stood the pouring rain with the water and circles running round my brain. I guess I'm always hoping that you this Sounds like Hell's Waiting Room. <laughs> and then there's a, a fella out of, I believe, North Carolina. His name is Chase Holfelder. His sort of shtick is he's got two albums, and they're called Major to Minor. And he takes songs that are originally major songs and writes them as minor songs. But he kind of amps them up with... <laughs> it's called the jerking off in A minor. 
he kind of amps him up with a. He does it with the national anthem, and in light of you know recent shooting events, hearing that in in, in a minor key. Oof. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he does a version of "Every Breath You Take." Every game you play, every night you stay, I'll be watching you. Oh, can't you see? You belong to me. How my poor It's just sort of super epic. It's modernized. This guy's actually, I kind of like the version <laughs> of this really song. With him. Oh, I kind of like this version of this song. I've listened to it a few times since then. It's not playlist worthy for me, but, okay, good. but uh, I like it. Right, so we'll, just, we'll just package them with that and Toy Matinee. <laughs> now, Toy Matinee is on my playlist. All right. What do we got left? I got a baseball right. game to manage. Cars question. Did they move music forward? Yeah, not in a direction that I would follow them down, but without them, I think that no doubt has a hard time getting along. As an answer to this, I had yes with an ellipsis after it. Yeah. Yeah, they they did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, did the Chili Peppers get influenced by these guys? I don't think so. I think they were still, like, they were already around, right? You could probably argue that, but then you'd get kicked in the nuts by Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> just comes flying out of a closet. <laughs> Speak into the microphone. All right, let's go. In terms of their personas. It's the last day of school. We're a little giddy. <laughs> it's the last day of school for you, asshole. Fuck off. You didn't have to become a student. <laughs> in terms of their personas, who do you like better? Sting? Oh, that's a good question. Sting? Okay. Or Tom Petty? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Sting, Stewart, or Andy. We'll get to that. Sting or Tom Petty? Who would I rather hang out with? Yeah. Like play golf yeah. with? Petty. Absolutely. But I like Sting. Yeah. He knows he's there's a pompous a, ass. There's a pomposity to Sting that, but he knows that it. bleeds through. There's also a coolness that's kind of cool. I mean, that whole story about him and his tantric sex skills <laughs> where he could, he could screw for like eight hours. That was all started as a rumor by Bob Geldof yeah. in, a, in some interview. Yeah. And, you know, Sting riffs off of it because it's funny. Yeah. Well, why would you deny it? Oh, of course, right? <laughs> right. Because who doesn't want to have sex for eight hours? I mean. <laughs> but the fact that like he could. So you, you know. The fact that you could look at a guy like Sting and be like, eh, I, I suppose I, I could see maybe you could have sex for eight hours. I, I mean, that's, that's kind of cool if you can walk with that kind of. Yeah. That kind of persona. Exactly. That's when he was in the big linens and the flowing robes. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. right. Big, a lot of yoga. When he was really eating his own cereal. Yes, a lot of world <laughs> beat. Yeah. All right, who's the MVP? The relationship that they these guys had. Like, uh, I guess it would be conflict. I think the they got the best out of each other because of that conflict. Because they, they had thick skins. You had, you know, again... You you have to sit in a room with somebody who's like something you created and somebody says that's not good enough. Oh, it's not and easy. We not yeah. yeah. And and I think that to be a thick skin and be able to withstand that really has like steel sharpening qualities. And I think that really comes comes out in the music. Yeah. I had the sort of not so sneaky emergence of the ska genre. And I'm not a big ska guy, but right. these guys ushered it in. And it was already in. They were not the tip of the spear. Yeah. 
I think they mainstreamed it. Was doing their stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they, they mainstreamed it. Yeah. You know, far more than anybody else did. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you have Madness also with their debut album sure. in '83, and you know, so yeah, that that that, that whole sound was starting to come in. Right. All right, how do you rank these guys? Talent, what do you give them? Well, their talent is pretty damn good. They've got a lot of talented musicians working here, so I give them a four. I give them a 4.2, and that's largely around Copeland, Sting's songwriting, and Sting's vocals. Summer's guitar... Gets lost in the wash. Gets lost in the wash. It's hard to tell just what he's got. He's talented. I think he's brought more to the table than you know. Yeah. The, The Stones don't come calling to be the Ron Wood... Unless you're really fucking good. Right. And, you know, right. they do. All right, what do you give for their catalog? Uh, their catalog's probably already a two. I dropped them to a one and a half. Wow. Okay. The first four albums are all They're one not, note. Yeah, you're right. They're right. all one note. That's, I got them at You a got two. one album that powered through this. That's true. Staying ahead, one album, The Dream of the Blue Turtles, that I knew more than others because I had it. I don't know that I actively selected it a lot. Like yeah. I said, that was a cheap CD purchase, whatever. Yeah. Image. I gave him a four. You know, if you can pull off that whole tantric peen. (laughs) (laughs) That is the only band name we're going with. Tantric peen. (laughs) Yeah, tantric peen. Our road manager, Kentucky Rick. He'll sign all the documents for you. We're going to go into the closet and go stroke it. Well, <laughs> tantric pee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, gotta, I, I give him a four because Sting was so goddamn cool in the eighties. He really was a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, I'd say that that pretty well pretty, wraps pretty well wraps this show up. Oh man, <laughs> we're not even high. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> We'll be back, hopefully, within the third Friday of the month. Thanks again.